Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hello, this is Ashley Meyer with Prevent Connect, and today I am thrilled to have Ati Nasia from Aware Inc. in Juneau, Alaska with me. Hi, Ati. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, Ati, we are going to be talking about your work on public narratives, and this comes from a peer learning forum session that you did, you were a part of, just last week in May. The session was titled, Shaping Perceptions of Sexual and Domestic Violence for Prevention, the Power of Public Narratives. So, Ati, why don't we just start by talking about your public narrative work? Sure. So probably like many others, I feel very new to this work. I'm really just beginning to wrap our minds around some of these conversations. But to start, maybe I could introduce a little more about my community and how the public narrative work fits into the larger work that we do. So so I live in Juneau, Alaska, which is located in the Alexander Archipelago, so the Alaskan Panhandle. And we're in the heart of the Tongass National Forest. So we are the capital of Alaska, and our population is only 32,000 people and there are no roads in or out. So we live in a place that has an outstanding and strong sense of community and we live in a place that deals with significant isolation and has some of the highest rates of intimate partner violence in the nation. And our community has been focused on primary prevention efforts for, I would say, about nine years. You know, we have a safe shelter for women and children, and then we work with a community coalition that's really been tasked to think about how to prevent intimate partner and sexual violence before it begins. And in the last year, we've been asked to think more about how we're creating change at the outer levels of the social ecology. So thinking more, you know, moving our programming more from programs that impact individual participants to thinking about policy level change, community norms change, so that we can really have some more significant impacts. And so as we began to have community coalition meetings thinking about the outer layer implications, we recognized that it's new work to everyone and we weren't totally sure, you know, the best strategies. And so within that context, the public narrative conversation came to the forefront as just one more tool to help us think in some bigger bigger ways about how to create larger outer level and environmental change. And then for us, at this point, the public narrative conversations have happened in-house. And so initially, we brought together our staff at AWARE. So we have a team of about 25 individuals that both work in crisis intervention services and primary prevention, both men and women. And we facilitated conversations around, you know, really getting staff to think about what some of the dominant narratives were and just beginning to engage in the conversation a little bit more. So that sounds really great. And, you know, I'm curious, Ati, what was the process like? So, you know, this conversation for me felt very large and very theoretical, and I was actually really surprised and interested when I debriefed some of the public narrative training I had received with staff. I was really surprised at the level of interest across advocacy staff and primary prevention staff, and so really I think that it was because of that interest and that call out from staff that the initial conversation happened. So we set up a time where all staff came together for a staff training and I just facilitated some conversations 
you know, ask some prompting questions to get people connected with the framework. So, you know, asking people to think about a value that they were taught when they were a child that's important to them today, inviting staff to think about how those values connect with why they're currently serving at AWARE and how those values might be represented in the work that we do. And then I just provided like a 30-minute PowerPoint type of overview conversation identifying, you know, what is a public narrative, you know, just really sort of the framework for the conversation. And then we began the process of drawing out from staff what their perceptions were of the current narratives that exist within our community and how those narratives impact domestic violence and sexual assault, both response and primary prevention. Well, it's really great to hear that kind of combining of the advocacy staff and the prevention staff. I think that's something that we don't necessarily see a lot of, but we're seeing more and more of it. So I'm sure you had some really interesting narratives then come out of these discussions. So what were some of those? Yeah, we did. And, you know, one of the things I heard from multiple advocate staff as we were having these conversations was was just how grateful they were for the opportunity to think a little bit more strategically about the narratives that impact both perpetrator accountability, victim safety, as well as primary prevention. And it seemed as though, you know, getting out of the crisis and, you know, the privilege of having these opportunities was really helpful for people. And so we identified a lot of dominant narratives that will be, you know, similar to a lot of the other dominant narratives that come out of these conversations that you have almost with any group. It's been interesting comparing how similar the dominant narratives are. So things like, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or the American dream. Staff talked about this narrative that systemic oppression is over, a narrative around small government being good, some narratives around, you know, victim blaming and sort of the normalization of rape culture and also some narratives around women's sexuality being wrong or bad, you know, starting all the way from the main creation story. Other narratives around war and violence being acceptable ways of conflict. So lots of different themes came up. And then when we zoomed in a little bit further, kind of looking at the narratives that specifically impact the work both of advocates and of prevention staff, there were a few themes that really emerged. And one of them was coming back to this narrative around systemic oppression being over and then, therefore, violence against women being an individual problem, not a systemic problem. And then staff were able to sort of link that back to challenges that they face both in terms of common victim blaming that they see with those that were serving, as well as sort of lack of perpetrator accountability. So that systemic oppression seemed to be a real strong theme that came out of the conversations. And then another really strong theme was the acceptance of violence as a way of achieving power. And so staff talked quite a bit about. I would say those seem to be the two strongest themes of the narratives that are implicating, you know, that impact the work that we do here at AWARE. And even with such a unique community, I would assume that a lot of other communities would have similar narratives as well. And I'm wondering, in your PowerPoints, which we will link to in the blog post where folks will be listening to this podcast, you talk about elevating new narratives. And I love that imagery, that positive kind of, you know, uplifting imagery. So where are you now with that idea of elevating new narratives? 
Yeah, I love it also. That's probably why we do primary prevention work, you know, this really coming from this strength-based angle that um, that recognizes that we created these narratives, we have the power to change them, and then, you know, we just, we need to come together and be strategic around what narratives we want to elevate. And so for us, you know, like I said earlier, we are really new in some of these conversations, and so we've just begun. At this point, we've had two staff training conversations, so probably a total of four and a half to five five hours exploring narratives and within that we've spent about 20 minutes beginning to talk about the new narratives that we do want to be elevating and so really for us that is the next step and I'll say a few things that at this point we've identified so staff identified that they want to have a new narrative around accountability for perpetrators and that that accountability is both systemic not just individual individually based staff identified a narrative around equity, that all people deserve safety and accessibility. And it seemed when the equity conversation was coming up, it was across, you know, of course, with the lens of, you know, gender, but also racial, you know, really looking at race, class, you know, looking at the barriers that individuals face uh, in terms of safety and accessibility. A narrative of empowerment and, you know, staff really talked about a new model of power, you know, that's not based on using privilege or violence or intimidation, but a power from within that actually promotes respect and equity. And then wanting to elevate a narrative that identifies that systemic oppression still exists and reinforces sexism, domestic violence, and sexual assault, and that we have the power to change that. So at this point, we have sort of these roughed out themes, but we haven't really played with the language of these new narratives and haven't really been able to explore them more fully in terms of our next step. And those themes are pretty hefty, I guess I could say, pretty intense themes, and sounds like it's going to take a lot of work. I think it would take anybody a lot of work to get there. So what are your next steps? Our staff has an opportunity to come together for a full-day annual staff retreat, and that's a time where, again, you know, working with prevention and advocate staff, we are busy, (laughs) and so it's a really rare opportunity for us to have a full day together where we can explore themes and our philosophies and our values more deeply. So we have an opportunity to do this retreat July (laughs) 20th, so coming up pretty soon, and so during that time, we are going to facilitate the next phase and the next conversation of elevating the new narrative. And so we'll have at least half a day to explore. And then staff have also identified in terms of some next steps that not only do they want to spend some time really clarifying the new narrative that they want to elevate, but they also want to consider and think through who else we need to be having these conversations with to actually impact the dominant narrative. And there was some really interesting conversations as well around how to have conversation with people around both identifying the current narratives and elevating new narratives that, you know, our partners that some of them are our potential allies and some of them we may have some differing and challenging philosophies or views about this work. And so there was a lot of interest in wanting to have more of those conversations so that we're engaging with the right populations and really working across different sectors so that we're able to not just have the conversation within our own agency and come to consensus because while that's 
really important for us to move forward, we won't really be able to impact the larger narrative without working across sectors. So, so at this point, our first step is to meet in-house and really hone in as a staff where we stand and what we would like, identify some of those partners, and then really across prevention, crisis intervention, advocacy staff begin, um, begin more strategically engaging some of those partners. Great. Yes, it's so important to do the work both in our agencies and outside, and I think that's something that we're really looking forward to seeing your progress, how this all goes for you, and I know we'll definitely be checking in. So I've been speaking with Ati Nasia from Aware, Inc. in Juneau, Alaska. And Ati, if folks who are listening would like to learn more about your work, the work of your agency, where can they go? They can find me at AWARE, and uh, a good email address is atin at awareak.org, and a good phone number is area code 907-586-6623. And to get an overview of what our agency and prevention department is up to, you can check out our website at www.awareak.org. So any of those ways would be great, and I'm happy to help think through some steps to begin engaging in these conversations, and I am very much a beginner and learning as I go as well. So I'm happy to be a partner because I know it, it can feel kind of big to wrap your mind around how to even begin, and sometimes you just jump right in. Right. Those partnerships are so important. So thank you for your partnership in doing this podcast. And we do look forward to seeing how that work goes. So thank you so much, Aki. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The views presented on Prevent Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.